Anybody tell you that I miss practice? I made my mistakes. If, 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 if a coach say I miss practice, whatever it is, it's not right on the teleprompter. And y'all hear it, then that's that. Don't you feel like that creates uh, tension between East and West? Yeah, I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. There's no words there. Well, I'm not a crook. What does that mean, to play us out? I mean, I might have missed one practice this year. What is... I don't know what that means, to play us out. What does that mean? Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Yo, welcome back to Same Old Clippers with Lewis Keene and the rich homie, Robert Flom. Robert, how you doing? Uh, I'm self-quarantined. No, self-quarantined? What, give, me your, give me the rundown of your setup right now. The rundown of my setup. So my, my company was uh, proactive, and uh, we started work from home as a company today. Um, so I moved my monitor, which is downstairs in my living room, because my bedroom is too small to have a desk. Uh, so I'm working downstairs. Uh, I have a stash of food up in my room uh, in case times get rough. Mostly what kind rice, of food? couscous, um, pasta. Uh, oh, actual food, not like Cheetos, Chips Ahoy. Uh, it is. It's kind of actual food. I mean, it's it's really just pure carbohydrates, but it's it's like borderline actual food. I do also have numerous chocolate bars. Yeah, uh, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta say, I'm I'm very proud of my coronavirus setup. What is it? Um, about two weeks ago. Actually, Haralabob posted this tweet saying, coronavirus is for real. People that you know are going to die. And I saw that, and for, that was the writing on the wall for me. I don't, like, do Bitcoin. I don't do, like, predictions. I don't do stock market. I don't think of myself as a particularly forward-thinking, ahead-of-the-curve person. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, shit. All right. Let me... Okay, let me go. Not not like I didn't go and stock up the next day, but from that point on, I started thinking about it a few hours a day mm-hmm. and um, taking it more seriously. And so at this point, and and by the way, that has not been a popular, you know, alarmism about coronavirus has not been a particularly popular take, especially in my own apartment. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at this Lewis, you've been following this, the saga of my roommate who initially was the one who told me it's not the flu. And like, this was like three or four weeks ago, probably about four weeks ago at this point. Um, and I was like, okay, whatever. I did some research. I was like, oh yeah, actually this is way worse. And now she's like, oh, you're panicking. You're freaking out. And I'm like, you're being dismissive. We're in a fight. We're not in speaking terms. Um, it's not good. Wow. Um, but in my room, I have orange juice, a toaster oven, uh, a 20-pack of cookies, mm. uh, a, of like, you know, those like snack, snack cookies. Yep. I have four, um, I guess I have eight snack pack puddings. Oh. Yeah. Next level, dude. Uh, I have about 40 protein bars. Um, mm. I got tuna corn uh i got all sorts of stuff in cans a can i bought a can opener um i have a few pounds of granola like with m&ms and raisins and peanuts um just the setup is phenomenal 
Um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually straight up even having guests, you know, and I, I and we're, we're, we can barter, you know, um, <laughs> the only thing I don't have a lot of is toilet paper, mm. but, um, gods don't go to the bathroom, Robert. So, very true. So, I mean, that's something I, I'll let other people worry about, but, um, in my work for the times I've been, they've been sending me out to literally the worst places imaginable. They've sent me to Disneyland, LAX, the Grove. Wow. And, uh, and Koreatown. Actually, I, Koreatown's fine. Um, but because of that, I've been quarantining myself basically when I'm not reporting and just staying in my room. And uh, let me tell you, I've been doing that all season. So... <laughs> <laughs> so in some in some ways you know i've been i've been preparing my whole life for this moment i have a tv literally on the floor of my room mm. um, and now that we're we're into the show i'm gonna ask you a half serious question which is whether you think the coronavirus can be considered part of the clipper curse uh yeah I think so. I mean, yeah, because I mean, I'm of the opinion that this NBA season is over. Um, I am also of the opinion that it should be over, um, which might be a little bit more controversial, but uh, I don't think the rest of the season is going to happen. Um, I think it's going to take another couple of weeks, uh, but judging by kind of the stupidity that we've been seeing for most people regarding not following kind of self-quarantine and social distancing. Uh, it's going to get bad. It's going to get way worse in the next few weeks, month than it is now. And if it's still really bad in like late April, early May, which I think it will be, I don't see how there's any way the NBA could start a season until, you know, July. And at that point, like, what are we doing? Then you have to shift the next season back and then, if you shift that season back, how do you adjust that season? And then how does that affect the season after? Like, it's, I don't know how they're going to manage it, but I, I do think the season will be canceled. And I think there's no way, other way to say it, but the Clippers curse. Now you could argue the Clippers are probably not the favorite to win the championship. I'd say most people before the season ended probably had the Bucks or the Lakers ahead of them. Um, but this is still probably the Clippers' best and most well-rounded team ever. I, I think you could make the argument. I think Lob City had some, at this point, pretty underrated teams and how, how great they are. Um, but they certainly didn't have kind of the, the combinations of superstar power and depth that this team has. Um, in an NBA without a truly dominant team, you know, I think the Bucks are that good, but nobody quite thinks of them that way, which maybe it wouldn't have mattered. I thought the Bucks were going to be winning the entire thing since like, you know, for three or four months now. Um, but like, there's still not a team like the Warriors of a few years ago where, where they were just, you were not going to beat them or, or the heat at their prime. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think this is a Clippers curse. I mean, the Bucks fans might say this is a Bucks curse. <laughs> Maybe their best team. More than one like, team curse. Yeah. It all be Lakers curse. Um, yeah. Yeah. I but think, I think, I think it's a Clippers curse because those other teams have won championships and the Clippers have not. The Clippers, as noted, have never made the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> right. And I think that's, to me, I mean, 
we're going to be talking a lot about basketball uh, and about things beyond basketball on the show, but just purely from a basketball perspective, the Clippers had a, had, if the season ended, uh, you know, we, we say this, if the season ended today, the Clippers had a cakewalk uh, to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, they matched up really well with the Nuggets. Um, they were going to play the Thunder or uh, the Mavs. Mavs, I think. So it was such a good matchup for them. Um, obviously, you know, this is going to be, I, I think we will see the relatives of NBA players die um, mm-hmm. during this. It's going to be a lot bigger than than sports. I mean, it already is way bigger than sports, but I think even within sports, the, 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 the players who are, you know, who are right now in sort of uh, in limbo in terms of what's going to happen this season, whether there's going to be games like they're not even going to be thinking about how to resolve playoffs and stuff like that, even even once the NBA is in position to do so. Um, I think an important thing to remember is that we want this to go, and, you know, we should want coronavirus to be, you know, going on into July and August. Trump Trump said today, you know, we're, we're probably looking at that situation. We should be optimistic that it keeps going on um, even into the fall because there's just so many people and unless something really dramatic happens, you know, we're all going to get it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's what makes us so terrifying. Um, and uh, that's why you and I and many people we know and everyone we care about are and should be self-quarantining, even if we, we feel okay, um, because this, this is, uh, you know, this is an unprecedented event. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it, we, we, we don't really have a roadmap um, for how to go about this. Um, I've been saying um, that we should all be really thankful Rudy Gobert got it because the NBA was, was pretty slow to act on, yeah. um, on, canceling, on canceling games. They were going to have games with no fans keep playing um they were just a little bit slow and obviously and there was a lot of money um involved which which slowed them down but rudy gobert getting it just completely forced their hand and you know say what you will about the nba being the woke league you know being being slow on this their action i knew on thursday which is like dude that's like four days ago it's just so recent it feels like forever ago but when that happened i was like this is going to be the thing that forces people to wake up and see that this is happening like i went to the store that night i was like there's going to be nothing in here tomorrow um and sure enough i think from my interviewing um and you know i went to these public places where people are less afraid of being out Mm -hmm. um and the one thing that gave people pause was well they canceled the NBA. So, you know, I think it's just the flu, but, you know, if they're taking it seriously, then maybe, you know, then I should be, you know, taking hand sanitizer with me and, you know, taking precautions. Um, but, you know, we're, we're putting this podcast up, you know, either today or tomorrow. Unfortunately, like, I don't think there's, I mean, there, I don't think there's going to be that much appetite for sports. Um, pretty soon. So while we're still able to distract ourselves, 
um, about this. I want to just talk about the season and um, just kind of consider it. Um, you know, let, if if we don't get a playoffs, what what was this? What what did we, what what just happened? You know, where does the season fit in, in into Clipper history? What is this? You know, what's what's your take? I mean, do you have you have you spent a lot of time thinking about what to make of these sixty something games that we just saw and you know, what you'll remember about it? I haven't really spent a lot of time in kind of the greater historical context of, of where to place this season. Um, I think that's something that's honestly, it's pretty difficult um, because the Clippers have mostly been a team of either, you know, just sheer awfulness or, or disappointment. And this season wouldn't really fit into either of those, right? Um, it's It would be disappointing because they wouldn't get a chance to compete for the, the finals in a championship, but it also wouldn't be their fault, which is kind of unique in, in Clippers history, where it's usually the team melts down and it's very like there are eternal difficulties or a player gets injured. Um, so it's very, very different. Um, so I'm not sure how to quite place it in terms of what I'd remember. I think more than anything, I'd, I'd probably remember Kawhi Leonard because I think, you know, for most of the season, I think outside of a, kind of a couple week blip in early November where he looked a little injured and just kind of slow. I mean, he's been one of the three best players in the NBA this year. And I think, you know, you can make a case that Chris Paul in some of his Clippers years was at that level or, or right about that level. But outside of that, I mean, all credit to Blake Griffin and to a lesser extent, you know, Elton Brand who had that one amazing year, the Clippers have never had a player that good ever. You know, again, I think, Chris Paul's best years probably in the same rough ballpark. But I think there are people who would argue that Kawhi this year is better than any Chris Paul on the Clippers year. And I think you could defend that case. So what I'm going to remember is that he turned his defense back on, maybe not to, you know, defensive player of the year Kawhi, but to still really good defense Kawhi to a level we haven't seen in the regular season from him in probably like three or four years. Um, you know, his ability to take over games with his mid-range shooting, um, that's really, I think, my biggest takeaway because, to be quite honest, I mean, there haven't been a ton of other super positive Clipper developments. The team's been mostly really good. Um, it's rarely been outstanding for any great stretches of time. Um, you know, Paul George has been oft injured. Um, he's been, you know, somewhat shaky, I think a little bit overblown, but certainly maybe not, you know, an MVP candidate, which is what he was coming into the year. Um, you know, Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell have been really good, but have faced, you know, more severe criticisms for their defense. Uh, Landry Shamit not had a breakout season. Um, most of the rest of the players, I mean, Pat Beverly has been good, but it hasn't been a superb Pat Beverly season. So I think it's really tough to remember that much else from it. You know, from the Clippers, really, it's just, it's Kawhi, I think. And honestly, the second thing might be kind of the Evita Zubats uh, Montrose Herald Center controversy, which consumed much of the year. And now that seems like uh, forever ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, cra- it's, it's crazy that the league was playing games like a week ago as well. Yeah. Um, I, I'll second what you said on Kawhi. I think the difference between him and Chris Paul is I think we'll remember the way Kawhi took over games mm-hmm. differently than I mean, Chris Paul had great fourth quarters, but it Kawhi was just doing something kind of special in terms of just yeah. getting to his spot, like basic, basically like Kobe used to 
mm-hmm. and just and that's obviously I think we'll we'll probably remember that as much as um, as much as anything from the Clippers season. We'll remember Kobe um, and the fallout from that. Uh, but but having a Kobe like player on the team who was just taking over games and would occasionally decide that the team was just going to win yep. and score and defend basically whatever he had, you know, did whatever he had to do to, to make sure they won. Um, that, that was unique um, because Chris Paul just didn't have the size really to do that. He couldn't mm-hmm. impose himself on a game the same way. Um, and he didn't have, do you agree? He didn't really have the athleticism either. I think we, we very rarely saw Chris Paul at peak athleticism. Um, I mean, I think, you know, by the time he got to the Clippers, even, I mean, there's been a noticeable decline since he got to the Clippers, but I mean, he had his major knee injury in right. New Orleans. Um, I mean, early Chris Paul was completely different player. Um, not just in terms of athletic. I mean, athletically it was a different world, but I mean, it affected the way he played too. I mean, yeah. people will now always remember Chris Paul as kind of being this you know, very precise, deliberate mid-range artist. And he used to be super fast. I mean, maybe oh, not yeah. like, you know, John Wall or Russell Westbrook prime like explosion, but he used to be super quick at like darting around pick and rolls. I'm on yeah. defense just everywhere. And yeah, I mean, I don't think the Clippers ever really saw that player. I mean, I think, for a couple years there, he was probably almost as good as he was in New Orleans, but it was very different. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, still an underrated athlete, I think, because just athleticism is, is more than just jumping and and speed. It's also about – it really is – I mean, it's – it's, yeah, it's it's cliche, but, like, the mental aspect is part of it, you know. It's why a player like Andrew Wiggins, for example, like, does he have raw – jumping maybe yeah but is he that athletic I I don't know like you can't really use it so does it matter whereas Chris Paul probably second only to LeBron James in this era in terms of just knowing basketball and what to do on any given play but yeah I mean certainly Kawhi Leonard some of the dunks we've seen this year some of the stuff you see on defense where he kind of just comes out of nowhere is able to just like get the ball with just like a couple fingers keep it in bounds it's it's crazy yeah I mean he's he wouldn't be the MVP this year, but he'd be top five in MVP race. Um, I mean, he's he's widely acknowledged as one of the three best players in the NBA, along with Giannis and, and LeBron. Yeah. Um, the, the one other thing I'll say about the season is the, the great irony of this season, uh, which was probably when – well, which is certainly um, when ideas about how much the regular season matter yep. um, really was a – league-wide discourse um, Mm -hmm. relating to ratings and relating to, you know, what is the, and and load management and what is the point of seeding if you're really just saving your players' health uh, for the end and whether it works and how it worked last year. Um, And all that, you know, all the energy that was spent on that conversation uh, turning out to be completely moot because the regular season was all that we got. And if they do, you know, somehow crown a champion uh, without playing a playoffs, it's the Bucks. They were the best team this year. Um, yep. You know, the Expos don't get any trophy for 1994 um, in the lockout shortened MLB season, but, you know, that, that was all they got. And 
as as far as we know, the Bucks are the best team this year. Um, I, I do think, and we can debate. We can spend a short amount of time debating this. I think LeBron James should be the MVP. Um, I know that your personal opinion uh, and the league-wide personal opinion is mm-hmm. that Giannis should be the MVP. But I'm going to give my argument for LeBron um, based on two things. Number one, um, I, I would say mainly Kobe's death has overshadowed the whole NBA season. And LeBron's presence um, in the league, I think, and his uh, statesmanship uh, after Kobe passed away um, in such a sudden and tragic way um, has just been really important to the games overall. And it's been valuable. I mean, it's been valuable to the league. Um, He has been the league's most valuable player in that sense. And I think if there's a time to expand the definition of what value means, and obviously we talk about that every year, but in terms of how valuable he's been to restoring um, restoring the stature of the league's most important franchise. He's been that guy. He's also, obviously, I, I think everyone would agree he's, num- he's at least number two yeah. in MVP. Uh, yeah. so, so maybe maybe Giannis has had a statistically new, you know, better season. Uh, the Bucks have been a slightly better team. But LeBron, especially with a charge towards the end of the season, um, and also just – I think he's made it close enough on a, on basketball terms that sort of the bigger than basketball um, uh, pieces of, of the of the story uh, can can push him over the top. Now the counterpoint to that is China, and LeBron really let us down on on Hong Kong, um, but I'm not going to give any more arguments to your side. Uh- I just I just can't take too much outside of of the game itself. Like you know the most valuable thing is is interesting to me. You know, I think the people who push back on the MVP and like we do this every year and it's boring every year. I disagree with that. Like if you're not going to have arguments about like awards and stuff, you know, you know that's a big part of it. Like these are things that players really care about. It's things that fans care about. So it's things that like media people and writers and whatnot, I think should care about as well. You don't have to, not everybody has to have an MVP opinion, but I think some of the pushback on that is also a little ridiculous. I think it's fine debating what valuable means. And I think it's fine for people to have different definitions of value. I mean, to me, value is, is valuable on the basketball court It's what do you bring to your team on a daily basis that makes your team better? You know, it's not quite best player in the NBA because I think there is a difference between value and best. Um, you know, but I do think it, it is, it should be about the basketball. You know, I think if it was dead even uh, between LeBron and Giannis, like exactly the same to every single statistic, every number, you know, and there's just something had to be the deciding point, then I think you could give it to LeBron. Um, but I think the statistic, the statistical argument, even with, LeBron making kind of a late push is just overwhelmingly in Giannis's favor. Um, LeBron is, is probably a slightly better offensive player just due to his passing ability and his ability to create for others, which Giannis is good at, but not, you know, an all time great like LeBron, but Giannis is a way more efficient scorer. 
Um, he's a way more prolific scorer. And defense, LeBron is trying on defense this year. He's been good. But Giannis is a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, and he's also one of the best rebounders in the league. I think just when you look at advanced stats or even really like per 100 possession stats, Giannis just destroys LeBron. Like LeBron in any other season, I think, would be, if not the MVP, at least have a very, very clear candidacy. And this year, I just, I don't think he does. Like I, I'm not you know, out of respect for LeBron, I'm like willing to listen to arguments. I think he deserves his props. What he's doing at this year at his age with his amount of miles on him is ridiculous. I think he is the greatest basketball player of all time. I think Giannis this year is better on game by game basis on a minute by minute, you know, basis. The Bucks were a better team. They were better with Giannis on the court. Um, the difference between the Bucks with Giannis on and the Lakers with LeBron on, I think, is actually basically the same. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I just think it's Giannis. I don't think the other stuff should really count for that much. I do appreciate what LeBron does. I think that, you know, when LeBron retires, it'll be, it'll be very weird to watch the NBA without him. I think the NBA will miss what he brings in terms of don't his be, Don't be patronizing, Rob. Don't be patronizing. <laughs> Not Look, patronizing. Uh, <laughs> let me make one let me make one uh, counterpoint. You look at this Laker team and you look at the Bucks team. The Bucks team had a lot of continuity. They lost one major player and yeah. brought the rest of the team back. You look at the Lakers, they had an incredibly dysfunctional team last year. You looked at the roster at the beginning of the year and you were like, This team could be an eight seed. You know, like I I I was yeah. I didn't think they were gonna miss the playoffs, but I was like this team is going to be such a mess. Frank Vogel, LOL, and, <laughs> and Dwight Howard. I, I actually believed in Dwight Howard because that tiny bit of Laker dread made me think that it was going to work. But Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, Alex Caruso, KCP, like Dudley. This is, unless you're giving the MVP to Dudley. But uh, Dudley thinks, it's at MVP, thinks he's MVP. But uh, if you – if you look at how ragtag that bunch was before the season, and then you see that this was the number one seed in the West, and they were killing people. And they beat the Bucks, and they beat the Clippers in the end. Uh, that's, that's where I'll leave my case. And, and, and no, it does not uh, – if it's based on numerical arguments, uh, I, I will go – I will trust you on that. Um, but- I mean, I think narrative should play a factor, though, right? Like, I'm not saying it should be entirely statistical. I just think there are times when the statistics are You're saying are it's so, just not that close, statistically. I think, I think statistically it is not close enough. Like, okay. I think the Lakers' narrative has been probably the biggest narrative in the season for all the reason you mentioned. And I think it's a very strong narrative. And I do think narrative should play a factor because, again, you know, sports aren't as fun if it's all statistical. But I do think, you know, at a certain point, the statistics, the statistics become overwhelming. And I think in this case, they just are. Like, Giannis is having one of the greatest NBA seasons of all time, statistically. And LeBron is not. LeBron is having a very good LeBron James season, which is extremely good. It's better than, you know, 99.99% of NBA players yeah, will ever yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but, let me ask you this. Let me ask yeah. you this. Okay, let's say the season's over. What's, what's your biggest regret as someone who likes watching the game? Like, do, is there anyone that you wish you watched more or, or you know, yeah, any, anything you wish you watched more or wish, or wish you had paid more attention to or appreciated while you had it? 
appreciate I what I had. I wish I, I watched more Vince. I'll, I'll go through. So, number one, Zion. I didn't watch every Zion game. Um, Sounds great. Guys in their rookie season is always – Yeah. You think that's going to be, you know, just the beginning of something incredible? Often it's the best part. So, yep. not watching Ja more, not watching Zion yep. more when they were doing incredible things – Every minute they were on the court. Um, and I'm glad I got to see Ja in person. Um, and it was spectacular. Um, not watching more Vince. That's my, that's my number one. Um, but it's not like he was playing that much. That's very true. I, uh, wish I'd, I saw the last video of him, and it was so heartwarming it made me sad. Yeah. I wish I'd seen more. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, he was barely playing minutes for – a really bad and not very fun to watch Hawks team. I did watch some of them and like as good as Trey Young is, and he's very good. Like they are not, they're not a fun team to watch. Like they are not enjoyable. And Vince was not getting many minutes. That said, I do wish I'd still see more Vince. Um, I'm excited to see. Uh, okay. Here's something I, w- I did have a good prediction on. I, I thought that the Bucks cutting Christian Wood last year was a really dumb thing to do Mm. Um, because I had somehow caught a few of his G league highlights. Yeah. He was was putting up huge numbers, like 30, 20 games in the G league. And I don't think the bucks like big man rotation is that solid. So I was like, they could like probably use this guy and they cut him for fucking Pau Gasol last year. And that was wild. That was really dumb at the time. And, like, Pau didn't play, like, at all for them. Pau's been washed for, like, three years. Yeah. Yeah, that was such a terrible move. And now Christian Wood is, like, uh, I mean, he looks like a borderline franchise player, especially if you're in Detroit and you don't have, like, your pick of franchise players. Christian Wood looks <laughs> like the best player on that team. Um, yeah. And they have Blake Griffin's, like, washed-up carcass. So, you know, <laughs> having plucked – Christian Wood basically off the off the waiver wire. Um, Great move by the Pistons. I will say I'm not sorry. I haven't watched. I don't regret not watching more of the Pistons because the few Pistons games I have seen, they might be the least fun team in the entire league to watch. They are fucking brutal. Watching watch Christian Wood games though, he's pretty fun. He is fun, but like one, you have to watch Derrick Rose, which huge minus for so many reasons. Um, and nobody else like Seku is kind of entertaining, I guess. Um, like Bruce Brown does some fun things. Yeah. He's not that fun to watch now. I kind of like watching him. Uh, Bruce Brown, you know, does some fun things. He plays with a lot of energy. They finally brought up Kyrie Thomas. I love Kyrie Thomas. We like Kyrie Thomas on this show. We do like Kyrie, but I, I don't really regret. I will say I wish I'd watched more Ja because I did watch a lot of Zion. Once he, once Zion came up, I watched half of his games, maybe a few more. I'd say um, I didn't watch that much Ja. You know, I watched a, a few Memphis games. I didn't watch a ton. Um, I did wish I'd seen more of him. Um, who else? I mean, I kind of wish I'd seen more of the the Jason Tatum breakout. Um, I didn't really see too much of that just because I follow too many Celtics fans on Twitter and it's, it's just irksome. It's far too irksome <laughs> to, to actually have to agree with them. Uh, so I mostly just avoided the Celtics. Um, 
I, I do wish I'd seen more of that because he had like a legitimate like superstar esque breakout season this year, which does not happen very much. And that those are always really cool to watch. I wish I'd seen more of him. Um, I kind of wish I'd watched watch more Brandon Raptors. Player. What? Brandon Ingram. No, I don't, I still don't like watching Brandon Ingram. <laughs> He's been very good. We were both wrong, but also right. So our first episode of the season. I asked Rob, like, who's one guy that you think isn't going to, like, <laughs> that isn't going to, like, keep up their – I don't know if it, what, how I phrase it, but, like, wasn't, yeah. a, wasn't the real deal or something like that. Yeah. Um, not a breakout, but a fake out. And you said Ingram. Yeah. And I said uh, – uh, uh, Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham. And they both had great seasons. Yeah. But – Monte Graham finished shooting like 37%. It was just like an anvil on my fantasy basketball team shooting percentage. Um, you're still not convinced on, on Brandon Ingram. I mean, he's been good. He's been very good. I'm not convinced he's like a franchise player of the Pelicans should give a max to and build around alongside Zion. Well, I think he's – what? They don't have to. They don't. I'm just saying I don't know if he's that player, but he is very good. So I will take a medium-sized L on that one, but not a full L because I remain unconvinced he's like a franchise-defining player. Um, you also wish I'd watched more of – I kind of wish I would – That Raptors. was a good take, and I agree with that. Their, their defense was really fun, and I, I, I'm disappointed that we're probably not going to get to see what they would have looked like in a playoff run. Cause I thought this team had like Pistons potential. I think they could have. Yeah. I mean, I could have, it would have been tough for them to beat the books, I think, but I think there's a chance they could have, their defense was crazy. Um, you know, they have now playoff tested Kyle Lowry, uh, who is one of my fat, like five most favorite players in the NBA to watch. Um, on a daily basis, and just in general, um, why? I don't. He's just. I just like one small players because I'm small. Two smart players, um, and three like it's interesting because a guy who I've maybe changed opinions on more than anybody else in the NBA is Marcus Smart because um, I hated watching his first couple years, and he was also throwing like. Tremendous amount of bricks. But, like, I hated the grifting. I hated the flopping. And I've come to appreciate that. Like, I think, you know, as long as the referees aren't going to do anything about it, you have to use what you can to win games. And, like, I think those guys, it's like... Wow. Who's irksome now? It's a level of competition that, like, I want to see from these guys. Like, it's what we complained about all year with the Clippers, right, is that... Like, even in games where, like, they were trying and there was effort, you didn't see that, like, next-level fire from them very much. And Kyle Lowry has that every single minute he's on the court, just about. Which is, like, I like that. I, I love watching Chris Paul. <laughs> I love watching Chris Paul. He was a clipper. We hated it. I didn't – I hated it when paired with Blake Griffin. Well, okay, that was the whole time. Well, yeah, that, I'm saying that that duo was not fun to watch. But I, I would like to separate my memories of Chris Paul from my memories of Blake Griffin. Uh, it's impossible, but I would like to do it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I love watching Kyle Lowry. The Raptors, I wish I'd seen more Raptors. Um, Jaw, 
Vince. Is there anybody else? Um, no other like top team in the West like was really that entertaining. Like maybe like a little bit more of the Suns. I feel like the Suns had some quirky, fun games that I just kind of missed. I'll, I'll tell you, Devin Booker was really fun to watch this year. I mean, yeah. we talked about that on an earlier show, but yeah, he was just fun to watch. And um, Justin Russo on Twitter just said that he's like a freak at Call of Duty. Like he's just like insanely good. And I love if there's like one kind of funny thing that could happen, like just finding out which players are like insanely good at video games. I just, you know, I, does that skill transfer, you know, just like coordination and like sense and ability to just like focus at like extremely high levels. Um, does that like translate to being really good at video games? I know Paul George is playing a lot. Um, uh, someone said that De'Aaron Fox is like the best um, video game. I don't know which game, um, but like who, who is the best at Fortnite? Like I actually, like the part of me is curious, like you could not pay me to watch these guys at this point, maybe ask me again in a week. But, <laughs> and, and if Justin Rousseau like explained why Devin Booker is so good. I actually would watch that. Um, but uh, right now, however, I will say I do have two good stories, sports stories that yeah. I want to get out there during this um, lull. And, uh, and I, I'm just, I really want to get those out there for listeners of the show um, subscribers uh, to my newsletter and uh, you specifically, Rob. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I need, I need some content because most of what I've been reading has been about the coronavirus, which is not very exciting. It's very depressing. Uh, I need some, I need some sports content back in my life. Um, one thing I've been thinking about just during this pod is like, What's what is sports going to look like when it comes back? I mean, is it just going to like is it just going to be okay NFL? We have a seventeen game season now, NBA eighty two, whatever. Or is there going to be just like some kind of I don't know um, rethinking or, or or reluctance to just like to do things the same way? I just I don't think we can really know yet. You know, I think, you know, China and, you know, apparently South Korea have been able to get it under control through very strict lockdowns and through some other stuff. I think South Korea, I think, has probably handled it, from what I understand, the best of any country thus far. Um, But, um, you know, I think we we can't really know, um, you know, what's going to happen. Um, like how many people die from it is like a very morbid thing, but like, that's ultimately how people remember these things is how many people died. How many people do I know died? And like, and even like very specifically to the sports, like what if an NBA player, I don't think like literally, I don't think a single person under the age of 30 has died from this yet. What if a random NBA player just dies from under 30 definitely has. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, what if some 
NBA player is immunocompromised, dies from coronavirus. I mean, that might change the way things are done or looked at. Um, I mean, yeah, ultimately, I think it's too early because in the United States, I mean, I'm preparing for the worst. I think the country has handled things really poorly so far, and all signs are that it's going to be very bad. Um, but we really can't know until it happens. Like, you know, plenty of people and plenty of, of more positive predictions still think we could come out of this in a couple months with, you know, ultimately minimal structural damage to society outside of maybe a little bit of scarring. Um, but I mean, there are also plenty of people who think this could rage, as you said, for like most of the rest of the year, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands dead. And that is very scarring as to sports in particular. I can't say that I think there'll be any huge changes off the top of my head, just because I do think people have very short memories regarding, you know, what it's like to be in fear of being in a crowd. Um, so I do think that would pass. And I also think sports are so institutionalized in this country. You know, it's hard to imagine something like that wavering completely because of this. Um, but again, I, I think it's, it's probably too early to tell. Like two weeks from now, I could have a completely different answer. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it, a lot of it depends on us as people just yeah. maintaining the you know, holding the line on social norms and, you know, I hate to say this, but like not looting, you know, not walking to the hospital with a gun and saying, treat my guy first. Um, uh, but uh, just those things are kind of hard to predict. And um, I, I think it's one, you know, we always talk about the game, you know, and the basketball is a business, you know, um, and it's really not a, it's, it's really not a normal business. No. Uh, like when people always say that when guys get traded, but uh, what businesses like trade players to, you know, trade their employees to other cities. It just, Nobody. It, that's not a business thing. It's a specific basketball and sports thing mm-hmm. uh, without their consent. Yeah. So, um, uh, but to the extent that it is a business, like you said, it's a really highly institutionalized one that employs tons of people. And that's one of the big, the earliest fallouts of coronavirus and the, and the game shutting down is how many people are at work oh, and yeah. them. Uh, it's not just arena employees, it's you and me. And, um, and it's, it's, it's tons, it's, it's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who are part of the, um, who are part of the infrastructure, the connective tissue uh, and the nervous system of sports, not to mention the fans, uh, people who love the game. Um, everyone is, is, you know, the consumers, <laughs> there, there was so much, uh, agitation over the ratings this year. That's the agitation about people who like the game. Yeah. Um, so that is something that the country will need and the world will need, um, to get, to get back going as quickly as possible. Um, and the question of how to do it safely, um, is essential. And that's, that's probably the first thing that has to be answered. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, again, kind of returning to the NBA and this season is like, you know, I think Woj tweeted a day or two ago um, that, you know, the, the best projection is, is mid to late June without fans. And for me, if you're already pushing it back that late and you're still not having the fans, which I think, again, is the correct decision, absolutely, 100%. I just, I don't see it. Like, you know, I don't see why it should happen because – as you said, it is not like a normal business, even outside of the 
of the of the trades and stuff like fans are not something like businesses I mean, some businesses do have fans i guess but it's different you know um even apple which is you know one of the biggest brands there is and has some of the most dedicated loyal fans like generally speaking they're not paying consistent amounts of money on a regular basis to go see an apple show or like right watch superstar app like that's just not a thing that happens and like event-based things are 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 very different and it just having an nba season and an nba especially an nba playoffs nba championship without fans like i just that just i just don't know if that's a thing that could or should happen um i think you know again like we discussed in the beginning like i think the nba was slow to act and i think the half measure of doing without fans was silly from the beginning you know like either you shut the games down or you play and playing was going to be stupid um so i think playing without fans is and again like as i think zach Lowe might have tweeted like even You'll if you at, people really quick yeah you hit like just the players is 30 you add coaching the coaching staff that's probably almost 50 and that's not counting trainers that's not counting just the people, the an- announcers, camera yeah. people, like that's over 50, I'd say. Even if you maybe reduce rosters or like cut the number of coaches, like that's just, it's not going to happen. It's just not. Um, it's, it's, what are we doing? It's just, what, what are we doing here? It's correct. So, like, we're going to try to get 49 people in, you know, and Trump is saying, Trump said, today said 10 people. So, uh, what, what is 50 at this point? Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, we're only. I mean, I know San Francisco today did a full Italy-style lockdown, um, and I think that's the smart thing to do, and I hope more places follow suit shortly. And if that's the case, I mean, maybe we do get this under control, and there is a return to real normalcy not too, too long in the future. I don't think that will happen, though, um, at least not everywhere, at least, you know, everywhere with big populations or places where this thing could spread really quickly. And, um, you know, I just... The NBA is just, and sports are just so different. You know, like, I don't think there will be any kind of return this year. And, like, also, how does that affect things? Like, I was talking about this with my dad, but it's so, it seems ultimately very minor right now. And in the grand scheme of things, of course it is. But, like, the Clippers gave up future assets and not oh, yeah. ones. Oh, we're not even going to go there. To trade for I- Marcus Morris. And they're going to get, what, like, nine games of Marcus Morris? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, think about the Paul George trade. We traded for two years of Paul George Prime that are now – we've already lost one. Yeah. Uh, and we gave up, like, stuff for – hopefully they'll have a vaccine by the time uh, Shea goes to Alexander's and that last pick uh, comes up. But I mean, you obviously you can't get mad at that any more than you could at the time, which for some people was a lot. But, um, yeah. but, but I, mean, no, I mean, it's not even worth looking past – January 1st, 2021, because it'll just make you crazy. I mean, the, the big question is whether they can somehow invent a vaccine, duplicate it, and spread it, uh, you know, in a reasonable amount of in, – in a, in a miraculous fashion. Um, and I, I know everyone is working literally around the clock um, to find one. Um, and, you know, an antidote is, is just as important. Um, but we can't, we can't expect that. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I just, 
And yeah, I mean, I think what it does to the, again, kind of returning to the Clippers is like very, because yeah. they were a team that more than maybe any other was all in on this yeah. year and next year. I think the Bucks with Giannis may be a little bit more important. Um, I but, mean, you look at Giannis's free agency and he can't now look at this team as a team that failed this season. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know. It definitely doubles the pressure for them next season. Correct. You know? I mean, I think, I mean, I think. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are not going anywhere. But for Clippers fans who are still skeptical, who still think, you know, this will go up Clippers, you know, something will happen and those guys will leave or one of them will leave and will be stuck with the other on a not, you know, championship contending team paying the max contract, which might be even worse. Uh, that possibility got a little bit clearer as well. Again, I mean, I think both guys seem to be really happy here. I think outside of that one kind of blip, in the middle of the season with the Montrezl Harrell comments, I think the locker room chemistry seems to be at least decent. Um, you know, I think there doesn't seem to be any kind of fighting really. So, I mean, I, I don't necessarily worry about that, but like, it's still a year that they used up of their primes. Um, and like, it is, it's a failure for them as well. And it, it doesn't have to be one that they regret personally because of anything they did, but it's still something where they wanted to win a championship. And I, they're almost certainly not now. Um, and the, what that means for the Clippers, we can't really say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think. Well, we know, we know one thing, which is that they're going to have to make a lot of decisions this offseason without knowing whether they have a team that can win an NBA championship or not. And this yeah. team, uh, you know, we certainly thought was good enough to win. We didn't know that oh, yeah. it would, but it certainly seemed good enough. But. We would have found out. <laughs> we would have found out in the Western Conference Finals whether you can play Montrez Harrell uh, 30 minutes or 25 or 30 minutes a game and win a seven-game series against Anthony Davis and LeBron James. We do not know that, uh, and we will not know that until next April or May if they make it that far and if they keep Montrez. They have to make that decision now without knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, what, yeah, I mean, I mean, what do you think is going to happen with that? Let's say the season does end and we go into free agency. I mean, when would even free agency be? Because I mean, the draft would have to get pushed back, and because of that free agency would have to get pushed back. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, that's the thing is like, if they cancel the season, you know, how does that affect all this other stuff? Is it kind of like the lockout year where it's just kind of it's like normal and just gets shifted back? Um, does it affect the cap? I mean, it would have to affect the cap because I mean, I'm, revenue projections are going to be taking, you know, massive hits because of this. Um, 25%, 25% hit before the playoffs. Right, yeah. They and played I mean, three quarters of a season and no playoffs. Yeah, and, like, that's not even counting what it might do going forward. Um, right. I mean, I think for the Clippers it might be good because I don't know if any team is going to be able to pay Montrezl Harrell that much or, you know, they, they could be able – I think they could keep him if they want to. Um, regarding just – what the Clippers do, I really don't know. I mean, there have been kind of mixed reports on them all year about how much they really value Montrez because on one hand, he was kind of billed as one of the the key five, which was at the start of the season, which was Kawhi, PG, Lou, Beverly, and Trez was kind of like the core five. He was one of them. Um, You know, he and Lou, you know, again, are kind of thought of as like the Clippers bench, their, their firepower, which is, one of the things that made the Clippers favorites coming into the year. Um, you know, he has a ton of national attention. 
um, and spotlight for a bench player. Um, and he's the fan favorite. Yeah, he's a fan favorite, and that does the matter. People, the people in the arena like Montrez more than any other player. Correct. And that's something that gets lost on Twitter when maybe, yeah. you know, maybe more intense fans or maybe just slightly more aware fans or whatever. But, like, you know, the average person who goes to Staples Center does not know about Evita Zubat's, you know, defensive rim protection numbers um, or what the Clippers look like defensively on off with him compared to Montrez Um And I think that all that matters. Like, I think the Clippers probably don't love Montrezl Harrell, but I think they do like him, and I think they do think he's a good fit. Um, I think they probably do try to keep him. But interestingly, for one, again, is Marcus Morris, because they paid a, not a ton, but like they paid a decent amount to get him. He they paid been, a decent amount to rent him. I don't think they – I don't – there have been mixed reporting on that too, because some people have said that they've been, you know, eyeing to keep him long term. I don't necessarily think, I don't think that's necessarily the case. But I mean, they paid a lot. You know, again, not a lot, but a decent amount. You know, real future assets to get him, and they only saw him for a handful of games with a not complete team, and they have a decision to make on him too. Like he's going to make a fair amount of money this summer. Do they keep him? Is he somebody who they think of as that fifth starter? I don't know. Like they have, they have big decisions. Like do you shop Lou Williams? Um, who maybe more than anybody, but Pat Beverly, I think I'd say more than Harold is, is kind of like the, the only team that can trade Lou Williams to is the Lakers. They can't trade him anywhere else. Why? Because they signed him to this three-year discount deal being like, we are going to keep you in L.A. Mm-hmm. If they ship him out to – if they ship him out for, for – if they ship him out, it's not going to look good for them. He's the – every – the fans freaking love him. He has been – I would say he's been bigger than any other – Clipper in terms of getting Kawhi and Paul George, like in terms of like co-signing the Clipper brand, he's been bigger than anyone else. If they're going to trade him, they have to do right by him. And that would mean trading him to the Lakers. And that would, so that he could keep his family here in other words. And I don't think they're going to trade him. I don't, I don't think they will, but like, it's something that will be brought up. You know, I think there'll be probably rumors about trading Patrick Beverly. Um, you know, well, they, I, I mean, they should trade him. But you know, like there's they have, they do have a lot of decisions to make, and again, like you said, they have they unfortunately don't have that much evidence to prove it on. You know, right. the team was not very healthy when they were healthy; they were extremely good. But do you know, fifteen regular season games ultimately matter when you're making the decisions for the future of the franchise? You know, it's so the Clippers are an extremely tough spot again, maybe more than any other team but the Bucks. Um, and some would argue even more than the Bucks because of how many assets they gave away for Paul George and how that would cripple them going forward. Um, but it's it's gonna be very interesting. I don't really know, I don't know what they're gonna do. Um, and I just I don't know how any of this is gonna happen with like regarding free agency or the draft. Um, but yeah, I mean, Woj just tweeted that the Board of Governors is meeting again. 
um, sometime this week, I believe, um, which means there will probably be some more of an update regarding timeline or just anything else. Um, I don't know if they'll cancel the season this week. I think that would be a little early, but I would expect well, it. No early. owner. We have to realize this is Board of Governors is all, the, is all 30 NBA owners. No owner wants to cancel a season. Correct. So um, all 30 are going to get in there saying, how can we continue the season? Correct. Like, and we're going to get – and we're going to get some very we're going to get some very positive buzz from that i think um regarding what they they're hoping to do um i think you might see some weird suggestions regarding like extremely strict testing on players and like all this kind of stuff to try to get them into empty arenas to play at an earlier date than otherwise projected um but anyway, like yeah, I don't. The Clippers are, are completely up in the air, um, and you know, it's it's going to be really interesting because they have this brain trust. They kept them all last summer. They still have a long term plan in place, um, and it's really they're very hard to read. You know, outside of the Marcus Morris thing, which was telegraphed basically all year, um, they've been very difficult to get a read on, um, and we don't really know. Like we don't know what they're going to do. And uh, like Landry Shamit, I think is a guy who might get shot because, you know, he was good, but he didn't have a breakout year. He's cheap. Um, you know, young rebuilding teams would love to add him. Um, but he, at least in the games we saw, proved to be kind of an awkward fit with Paul George and Clyde Leonard. Um That's a huge decision to make because he was kind of the big. Shamit to the Hawks for John Collins. <laughs> and then you let, and then you let, uh, you let Trez walk, re-sign John Collins. Now the Hawks like John Collins, but Shamit's good, and that would be the worst defensive backcourt of all time. Trey Young and Shamit. Oh my God. Trey Young and Lou Williams send Lou back to Atlanta. <laughs> right. Yeah, Trey Trey Young, Shamit, and Lou Williams, and then you just put two of them on the offensive end. You don't even bring him back for defense. You run the <laughs> four on defense. Just see what happens, and then you cherry pick. Uh, you cherry pick uh, Lou Williams or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated to see what happens next. But I really, really hope that ownership and management and the decision makers don't get greedy. They are all greedy. I hope that they don't let greediness override common sense and the health of the players and staff. Okay, Rob, before we go, I want to swing it back to the Clippers and just talk about any, like any funny memories or just random things that you'll, you'll remember, not narrative wise, but just like any games that you'll remember or any moments um, that were positive that were that, you know, you'll keep. I think funny is the Terrence Mann preseason hype. Yeah. I think that's, in retrospect, what Jerry West said he was at the, uh, what was the Clipper, like the town hall thing? Um, yeah. Like, he's going to play a big role this season. No. <laughs> no, he is not. Uh, that is really funny. And, I mean, I, I kind of bought into it in that I thought he probably would play more than he has at least. Um I mean, he proved to be pretty unready um, for NBA minutes, at least in terms of offensively as a shooter. Um, in terms of fond memories, the Derek Walton stretch 
will go yeah. down in the Rob Flom history of Michigan small point guards. Yeah, if they bring in a Xavier Simpson this summer for training camp, oh man, that would be great. Also, Ty Wallace back in Agua Caliente. Yes, that is big. That's huge that news. Huge. huge news for our brand. Uh, yeah, I think the funniest is the Terrence Mann hype. I think it's really funny in retrospect. I okay. I'll just I'll list off a few things. Number one, um, Pat Beverly not talking to media for like two weeks after Yovan's article saying that people were mad at Kawhi for load managing and not letting mm-hmm. them know whether he was going to play until like literally right before the game. Uh, Pat Beverly just like shut everyone out for a few weeks. Um, you didn't hear that here. Uh, but we're pretty deep into the podcast, so if you made it this far, you earned it. Um, what else? I just having – I had so much fun with the newsletter, um, Unstatable, mm-hmm. and it was so fun getting to talk to, to Clipper fans um, in person at that uh, bar event um, in Pasadena. Um, and just all the, all the, like, networking with Clipper fans this season, that was, like, kind of new, like a lot of Clipper fans – came out of the woodwork and were like, I'm not saying bandwagon, but like that I just didn't know were out there. And um, those people being like showing their colors more. That was cool. Um, in particular games, man, there were so many like letdown games, like losses that they shouldn't have had. Um, Kawhi against Portland early on in the year when he just like took over in the fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, the first game against the Clippers or against the Lakers was awesome. The yeah. second game against the Lakers, the Pat Beverly block, probably the signature moment of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the the first win, the first game against Boston in overtime um, was really fun. Um, yeah, the double overtime loss was also fun. That was also really fun. Um, you know, I thought um, – what are some other good games? Yeah, there weren't a ton that really stand out. Uh, I thought the, the Kawhi's return to Toronto, even though it ended up being a blowout, I thought was really memorable because I thought the Raptors did a really good job of, of welcoming him back. I thought that was really cool. I, I will remember that. It was, it was really fun to see that. Um, I mean, I think it's tough. I mean, honestly, that double overtime game against the Celtics might be, have been the sheerly most entertaining Clippers game of the season, even though they lost. Because, um, again, that was kind of like a Jason Tatum game. We saw a lot of Kawhi in that game. Um, yeah, I mean, the I'm game... Going to the schedule Celtics- now. Yeah, beating the Raptors was fun. We did that twice. Um, I've, to, the biggest moment was Kawhi signing. I mean, Kawhi signing was – that was a life memory. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's – it's hard to believe that was even, you know, this season. It was like, you know, what, like eight months ago now, which is – Oh, I got in a fight with Russell Westbrook. That was probably a life memory. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, – yeah, I didn't cover any games this year, which was the first time in oh, man. Three, three, three years, I'd say, that I didn't cover any because I started covering in 17, I think. Um, yeah, there's a lot of shit outside the game, like the bullshit with SB Nation. That's definitely like, yeah, that's a life memory. Um, yeah, there was a lot of non game stuff that I'll remember. Um, 
this is the season I think I finally, after so many years of tweeting so much, that I think I finally halted tweeting as much about basketball. Like, just a lot of it just really lost the luster for me this year. I've been on Twitter a lot, but it's been more political. It's been more just, like, other stuff. Um, I haven't been tweeting as much. Um, and just, yeah, like, I just not – not quite as fun for me as it used to be, which is something because for a few years there, I was tweeting a lot and it was like, it took up a lot of my day and like a lot of my time was spent tweeting about basketball and like threads and all that kind of stuff. And I really don't do that much anymore. This is kind of the year I think I fell off Twitter a little bit. Um, the SB Nation stuff, definitely. I mean, that it's hard to believe that was only, you know, a few months ago. Um, you know, I'm there still technically at Clips Nation and I'm like, I'm still kind of mulling over like a goodbye post because I'm there for two more weeks. Um, and um, yeah, like I'm going to put up like a goodbye thing at some point that probably not many people are going to read because the NBA season is suspended. Like nobody's really checking for basketball stuff. Um, but it's, it's probably going to say better that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's crazy that that was only a few months ago because that so much stuff has happened since then. Like the Kobe thing happened since then. Um, which is, you know, probably the biggest, as you said, kind of the biggest memory from the season will probably end up being that there's no championship. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been a, a wild season. There's been a lot of entertaining basketball. I don't know how much of it the Clippers have played. Um, but it's been, it's been mostly fun. I'd say if this is it, it's been a mostly fun NBA season. Well, look, um, you know, it's really shitty what's going on right now. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about New York and just they're at the very, you know, they, they have just basically fallen off the cliff um, in New York City. I was talking about emergency rooms that are full, you know, having not enough ventilators. Um, so I just want to use this last, you know, last bit here uh, if anyone's still listening um i don't know just uh you know the, these are these are these are times that that no one's really prepared for um you know the the best the best preparation that any of us got for this was probably in in kindergarten and elementary school just about how we should be treating each other as people um, and something about a virus like this, um, is it, it really strips us down to, to just human beings. And that's just, that's all we are right now. Um, you know, all over the world, this is, this is everywhere. So it's not even just, we're, it's not even just, we're all Americans, you know, we're, we're all people of planet earth. And, um, and we get to decide um, in, in this great reset of, of global society. Um, we get to decide and we get to shape and we, we get to create what the world is going to look like, you know, going forward. Um, people our age, um, you know, we're both in our mid, late 20s. Uh, I guess you're in your early twenties, actually. No, mid. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, people our age, um, and people younger than us. Um, 
you know, we have, we're getting more responsibility now. Um, a lot of older people are, are really um, in a lot of danger right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're going to be possessors of, of the world. We're going to inherit the earth um, sooner than we know it. So, um, you know, it's, it's every, it's every decision that you make, um, over the course of the day, the thousands of decisions that you make, um, just about being a better, better human being and, and think about others and, um, doing what you can to help and sacrificing, um, and, and not just thinking about yourself. Um, that's on all of us now. Um, and, uh, and so, for, I mean, right now it starts with staying inside. I, I know you and I both both feel okay, um, but we're staying inside um, because yep. we don't want to get other people sick. And and that's it's radical. Uh, that 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 is you know, it's radical that something like that, which is a um, inherent, which is a selfless act. You know, it's self protecting because we we there's people we care about, but you know we're we're sacrificing our own freedom and ability to go outside and freedom of movement um, for other people. And we should all take that attitude for more than just this moment. And if we can get in that habit now of thinking how our actions affect other people, then I can be hopeful and we can all be hopeful about what the world is going to look like um, when this passes, um, no matter what it costs. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean I think Yeah, I mean I think this could be a real wake up call and it could be a wake up call for a lot of things. Like, you know, I think a lot of people are still, you know, very confident in humanity's ability to deal with stuff and deal with stuff on the fly and to not take things seriously. You know, it's something you also see frequently with global warming where it's like either, oh, this isn't a real issue or like, oh, we can deal with it later or you know, whatever, or people just don't want to sacrifice, um, you know, and again, we all kind of have, you know, some sort of, some degree of power and some degree of, of influence, however small. Um, and, you know, I do think this is a good, not an opportunity because it's, you know, a devastating, you know, pandemic, but I think, you know, it's like you said, it's kind of a chance for humanity to rewrite itself a little bit. Like we can take this lesson and, learn from it and, you know, create better healthcare and, you know, create better preventative measures and really spread health and wellness education. Um, you know, stuff about like washing hands or like read all these crazy stats about how many people don't wash their hands. It's really insane. Um, just all these sort of things that we can do and, and make the world a better place and make it a better place for us to live in. Um, and hopefully it, we're able to do that. And hopefully this is a good, ends up being a positive inflection. Um, you know, it'll be devastating for the lives lost and for just, you know, what will happen. But hopefully it's, it's marked as a turning point in a positive way um, years from now. And uh, yeah, I mean, I hope everybody out there is, is staying safe. Um, you know, again, try to not go out, you know, try to limit interactions with people. Um, and yeah, just, you know, be safe out there. Okay. Both of us, um, Robert's at rich homie flom on Twitter. I'm at this Lewis. Both of us are posting, um, both of us are posting about coronavirus, like important information that you need to know, um, ways that you can help. Um, and also we're, 
we'll write about the Clippers every once in a while on there too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we let, let's get to a place where we can be excited about sports again. I think that's a, a that's a good goal for us and and in, and a motivator for us to do the hard work and the sacrifice um, and to and to bear down now um, against this against this um, against coronavirus. So thanks for listening. If you made it this far, um, if not, what can I say? Um, we should have, we can move it. We should, we should have edited this up uh, sooner, but um, Hey, thanks for a great season. You know, this was the first season that we did this podcast. Um, it was fun. Uh, I had a great time. Um, and it's, it's been great doing this with you, Robert, as a way to, to stay in touch with, with you. Yep. Um, and uh, I hope we get back to doing it again soon. Absolutely. All right, man. Peace. We talking about practice. All right, go, go. Ten, five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. Ten, five, four, three. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I can't do it. I mean, how silly is that? We'll do it live. Practice? We'll do it live. Practice? Do it live. I can, I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Not, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. I mean, how silly is that?